Hello, my name is Christopher Monroe, and welcome to the soundtrack to a life. I know. And welcome oh, back to the soundtrack to life. <laughs> you don't get to hear what we were laughing at. I'm Chris. With me again is Liv. Liv is back. Say hi, Liv. Hi. You may remember uh, Liv from our last episode with her on when we talked about Eden. And I pledged to bully Liv's parents into letting her fly to Vancouver to go see Eden. But you didn't bully them. I bullied them. You did a great job. I did a great job because I went. How was that show? Oh, fuck. (laughs) A lot of things. So, um, from the moment you told me, I was like, okay, how am I going to get money? And then you guys were nice enough to give me a job. Quote marks. I don't know how. It's a job. You pay me. I do stuff. Yeah, you do work (laughs) and then get paid. Liv is our uh, cleaning person now. It teaches her a valuable lesson about responsibility and also a valuable lesson about throwing money at problems you don't want to deal with. (laughs) (laughs) If you have money and your work schedule is fucked up and you don't want to clean your own apartment. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, I did that for, like, all of, well, all of August, basically. And then September was sketchy just because school started and it was, like, rough. But, uh, yeah, got, like... 300 ish dollars and that was the plane ticket and then another uh, I ended up being like $35 with the internet cost for the ticket so that was good and I officially were uh, October 1st through 3rd I was in Vancouver and I got to meet up with one of my friends her name is Claudia but I call her car because I don't know I just that's what I call her and I didn't have to go like to the aquarium or anything. I spent most of the day either at her house or in a mall, which I feel is pretty fitting for a teenager. <laughs> yeah, seems right. <laughs> and then the entire like second half of the day, she was trying to reason herself. She worked a 5 a.m. shift the next day at Chapters, and it was 5 a.m. to 10 a.m. and the store opened at nine. So she was like, I don't know if I want to like I want to go to the concert, but like it's 5 a.m. and it was literally just me being like, just do it, do it, come on, you only live once, come on, do it. Yeah, suffer through the show. Yeah, like, like it was really funny because at the show he was oh he was so amazing. I cried a lot. It was a wonderful experience. The opening act was amazing, and I feel like there's nothing like this is a little Canadian of us, but we are probably some of the nicest crowds there are. Because the opening act we're like this is like one of our first times performing in front of a huge crowd, and then we were all cheering even more for them. And when they had to leave, we all boo- well we didn't boo, but we were like ah. So that was really nice. Yeah, he played almost all of my favorite songs. At the end, he did rock and roll, but it was, like, with a little interlude about the album that he did, too. And he did, like, a little rap before Fumes. It was, oh, it was just so amazing. And then it was a show that was really funny because Palm, Carr, and I were remarking afterwards, it's a show guys bring their girlfriends to. So me being, like, the outlier of the girl who actually liked it first was wild. That's always interesting to me because there is, like, a really definitive gender breakdown to most artists. But I don't always know <laughs> where that line is. Where it will break for certain people. Like well, Beyonce and... was also playing that night. All the girls were like, we're going to go to Beyonce. And all the girls who couldn't go to Beyonce were like, oh, okay, I guess I'll let my boyfriend drag me to this random indie guy. Which, I mean, it wasn't bad. Like, it was so much fun. The people there were great. We didn't have tissues. And this guy was like, here, have a tissue. You're crying. And I'm like, I am. <laughs> my life's the best, but this is great. <laughs> Getting dragged to a show is the best way to discover somebody new. Yeah. 
Well, good. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. See your heroes while you're actually of the age where they are your heroes. Yeah. Rather than having to catch them 20 years later. (laughs) (laughs) Which I did, and also great, and I also cried a lot. But I can only imagine how potent that would have been if I had done it at 16 or 17. Yeah. Stuff like that is super important. And, like, I remember Dad talking to me. He went, like, not even, like, 16, 17. You have to go when you're younger. I don't want to... That sounds so... There's, like... From 16 to 25, there's a nice block of time where it's like, that's the perfect time to go see your heroes. Yeah, because your tastes are still forming during that period. And also because you still have the energy (laughs) to go to a concert until 3 in the morning and then wake up at 7 to go to work in a way that I flatly could not actually. Okay, the concert only lasted till 11.30. It was a reasonable concert. We just went and got pizza afterwards, so we were staying up till midnight. Nobody goes straight home after a show. Yeah. There was a 24-hour pizza place. Of course we're going to go get some. That very much checks out. But it was also, like, kind of in the sketchy part of Vancouver, and so my friend, like, she was literally our chauffeur for most of it, and she was like, yeah, so here's, uh, pretty sure that's a drug deal, and uh, there are the police putting some homeless people in a different area. Welcome to Vancouver. And I was like, oh, Calgary seems a lot nicer now. (laughs) But, like, with such a big industrial kind of city like Vancouver, there's not as much work, I would say, there. And also, she was talking about one of the politicians somewhere in Canada was like, oh, we'll just move our poor people and all our homeless to Vancouver, which made more problems for them. Yeah, uh, Klein did that in the 90s. We're not great. It was so funny. She was very into politics. She was like, oh, yeah, like, She's talking about memes and politics. In fairness, Vancouver shipped all of their homeless people to Calgary in advance of the Olympics. Mm. So we're not solely to blame for any of this. Mm -hmm. Man, we went off the rails quick this episode. (laughs) We didn't even get to talk. Are we supposed to talk about a record? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay. The record that Liv and I are here talking about today is the Dandy Warhol's 2000 release, 13 Tales from Urban Bohemia. The ends of things, in many ways, can be as interesting as their beginnings. Beginnings are exciting, yes, the rush of the new, stepping out into the unknown, embarking on adventures, but all things wind toward their end. And it's not until we reach that end that we know, on the whole, whether any of it meant anything or not. Everyone wants to talk about their beginnings, their firsts, their introductions. Nobody wants to talk about how they ended with the people, places, and things that once had meant so much to them. But perhaps they ought to if only for some much-needed context. Do people today understand how important channels like MTV and Much Music were through the 80s and 90s? In a world where you can listen to anything at any time, via Spotify or Apple Music or any of the other similar streaming services, or see any music video via YouTube, do people coming of age in 2018 understand how aggressively the gates once were kept, and how recently this was the case? Do people coming of age in 2018 even properly understand the notion of gatekeeping at all? Or has the internet democratized us all? There was a time when I developed the majority of my taste in music from others, from the YTV Hits Countdown with Tarzan Dan, or a DJ at CGSW from midnight till two in the morning, from old issues of NME read at the downtown public library, or, in extreme cases, even from commercial radio. These were the avenues available to me, and I knew no better. So I accepted them for what they were worth, like a goddamned peasant. I told myself that this was good, and in its way it was. I developed my taste in music this way, after all, and I do still like a lot of what I liked during this period of my life. I picked the gatekeepers whose gates I wanted to pass through, the DJ I trusted, the music magazine whose recommendations I generally enjoyed, and I managed to cobble together a cohesive sense of the style of music I wanted to listen to. 
It may not have been the most efficient way to have done so, but in the end it served. And this was how it ended. I don't properly remember the last time I had much music on in the background, but Dandy Warhols were the last band that made me stop what I was doing and ask myself, wait, who's that? And as such, the last time the station was meaningfully relevant to me. And it's a heck of a band to go out on. Thirteen Tales from Urban Bohemia dragged together dream pop, lo-fi, drone pop, and classic rock to form something bigger and more immersive than any of its constituent parts. In it, the Dandy Warhols represented a step beyond the indie styles of the 90s that birthed them, and the next evolution in the genre of music that, more than any other, has come to define my taste. And they managed to do it while somehow managing to sound a little bit weird, a little bit low-key, and a much too cool to care. And I love them for that. I likely always will. I've listened to all nine of their records, and I still listen to all nine semi-regularly. If they released something tomorrow, I'd buy it. If they announced a show in Calgary, I'd go. But this is the one I come back to again and again, because this is the one where they hang together the best. The one where they're most fully realized. This is the version of this band that much music introduced me to, and I'm grateful to them for that, even though I'm unlikely to watch the network ever again. Because that part of my life is over. And this was the last gift it gave to me before it ended. And that means something. So Liv, you'd never heard 13 Tales from Urban Bohemia by the Dandy Warhols. I had not. And now you have. I have. What do you think? It was weird to process for me, because everything's weird to process for me. But this one, it was like, you start off with Godless, and you're like, oh, so this is how it's going to go. But then it completely changes like three other times. You're like, okay. Yeah, this is not a band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is interested in comforting you? <laughs> yeah, no, like, the, the first three-ish songs, I think, they make me think of just stuff that I'm, like, it's recognizable for me, not those songs specifically, but that kind of music of something my dad would play while he was cooking or cleaning in the background. Like, his playlist now is completely different, but back when, like, years ago, back when I was, like, ten-ish, that was, <laughs> Jesus, that was seven years ago. That's something that I'm pretty sure my dad would be, like, playing in the background, and I'd just be, like, sitting, reading, and hearing that. And then, like, you go to the next song, and I think, like, you get to Country Lever, and you're, like, hi, you're just, like, oh, so what just happened? Because it just, out of nowhere, throws in, like, this country classic rock music at you from, like, this serene, psychedelic, almost, song. Yeah, they really do hop back and forth between their various uh, influences. The gentleman at the head of the band, Courtney Taylor Taylor. Uh, Best name. <laughs> so a, wonderful. Such a cool rock star name. Yeah. And the coolest motherfucker in rock. <laughs> From 2000 till 2000, I want to say like four. Mm -hmm. They sat down to try to make the last classic rock uh, record. So they threw in just everything that they had brought with them up until that point in a way that I think does a really expert job of keeping you a little bit off base. Because you're right, you don't know what's going to happen based on what has happened previous. Godless is a chill and groovy, too cool to care, tossed off type of a piece. And that uh, horn sounds gorgeous. Yeah. Arguably one of the best opening tracks to an album that I've heard at least. But it gives you no sense of what's going to happen yeah, for the rest no, of the Yeah, no, there's record. like, I, I'm listening to it and I'm like, and like, okay... It's a, love it. It's a great song, a great thing. Don't listen to it when you're 
taking a bus at like six in the morning to go to an early morning practice because then you'll be like, wait, what is reality and what is time? Yes. <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm listening to it. I'm like on the back and there's fluorescent lights beaming on me and I'm watching like stuff move and I'm like, okay then. Um, what, what, what is this? And it continues like that until you get to the fourth song and you're like, what, when, when did this happen? And I'm like, I literally got off the bus at that point and stopped and just started laughing and like it's dark out and I'm right at like the school and I'm just laughing my head off because it's like not what I expected at all. And I'm pretty sure I freaked out my choir teacher. <laughs> nice. So you know, there's some good points. And then like I'm listening to Bohemian Like You and I'm like, wow, this is I like I that's probably my favorite off of it. It's just so catchy and so like I want to dance to it. Yeah, Bohemian Like You was the radio song off of this. It, I think, was used in a commercial in the UK. Oh, really? And then wound up being, like, a proper pop hit. Ooh. But this one, somewhat godless. I think there was a third single, but I can't off the top of my head. Well, from what I saw, it was godless. Get Off. Oh, yeah. Uh, was briefly on the radio. But, and then in, I did some research uh, in on the Wikipedia. It said that uh, Horse Pill in Australia was also on the radio. Which is, I'm listening to it, and I'm like, oh! Okay, so, and, like, that one, too, I was like, hmm, that sounds like Cake, like, the band. And I'm like, that's a little creepy that that sounds so accurately to them. I thought that was them for a second. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. This band is kind of the connective tissue. Yeah. Uh, it's neither a 90s indie band or a 2000s indie band. Uh, it is segueing from bands like Cake or Pavement to bands like The Strokes or indie dance stuff from later in the period. And just listening to it i'm like oh oh my god <laughs> what's it? the entire time i'm like i don't i what's going on but then in the the entire time in my head i'm like each song is a different story of a person living in an urban bohemia yeah and it's really well done for that like i could tell the different personalities of each person very well yeah they do feel like they're written in character that's the best way to write sometimes it's just so fun and funny yeah in the war between sincerity and irony that takes place across pop music. These guys have pretty definitively planted their flag in a kind of arm's length approach to music that I think yeah. serves them really well here. Because it's the transition album from like, hey, it's 1999 to it's 2000. Fuck. <laughs> like, yep. This is what the new millennium will sound like. like and it did. did. For a while. <laughs> it, everything, everything changes. And you got to get used to that. And... Yeah, I think from the last time we recorded it, I've definitely gotten used to that. There's a lot of things in my life that's changed. I'm now 17. I'm now looking at universities more thoroughly. I'm now having panic attacks every other day because of classes. Like, well, that's not new. <laughs> it's not new. You say you're getting used to it. I'm not, though. But you never get used to it. Presumably, upon getting used to it, you would have fewer panic attacks. You know what? And, like... He said... Having had a panic attack within the last four days. Yeah. I mean, before we started recording, I talked about how, like, this unit I'm doing right now in my social studies class is worth 40% of my grade, and that alone freaks me out. And, like, my parents are, like, super caring about that stuff of being like, hey, it's okay, you don't need to be the best, you just need to be your best. I'm like, that's cheesy bullshit, Mom. That's... <laughs> it doesn't work like that, I have to be the best. <laughs> I'm number one. <laughs> Which, okay... I mean, <laughs> I appreciate that level of unconditional love and support <laughs> that you receive from your parents. I will agree with you that you will only receive that level of unconditional love and support from your parents. 
And the moment that you venture out of your house. Yeah, you, exactly. No, like, people who know me know that I talk about this girl named Linda. We'll say she's Linda from accounting. I'm really not being anonymous. Her name's actually Linda. And I'm like, okay. What? First of all, who names their kid who is younger than me Linda? Second of all, Jesus, this kid is actually Linda and they're going to work in HR or something. Because they're like, they're either going to be Linda who just does everything and is that person that everyone knows, but it's like, shut up, Linda, nobody cares. Or they're going to be that Linda that everyone's like, oh, this Linda changed the world. But has there ever been a Linda that really changed the world? Linda. <laughs> that silence. Give me a sec. Like. Linda Hamilton from Terminator? Real Linda. That changed the world. Her real name is Linda. Her character's not named Linda. Oh. That actor is called Linda. Oh. That is one Linda. One Linda. And so, like, you know what? She is ambitious. I'll give her that. She's in grade 11. Um, I hate her. <laughs> I'm going to be very honest about it. I do not like her. I try to see and be, like, see the best of people and be try to be as agreeable as possible, like, even with the awful stuff that happened with my best, my ex-best friend. Last year, I still tried to be like, she's still a person. I can't demonize her, despite a lot of times wanting to. Um, and, like, publicly, I won't demonize her. Privately, I'll curse her to the end of days. But, like, I this, mean, pretty publicly. Yeah. We're on mic. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> well, I, I... She doesn't like me. I don't like her. I don't care. <laughs> like, Check out. You don't have to like everybody. Yeah. And so, like, I tried to be really nice to her, and last year I couldn't really give a shit about her because it was, like, she was in grade... The, there's a barrier between grade 10s and the 11s and 12s at my school because the grade 10s, at least in the music program, the grade 10s have their own choir and their own band, and then everything else is joined for the grade 11s and 12s. So, like, I didn't really care because she wasn't in anything of mine, and so it didn't affect me. But now she's in concert choir, and now she was, she was in vocal, but, you know, she drops out because she has more important things to do. <laughs> Fuck you, Linda. <laughs> Fuck you. Oh. I hate her. Like, I don't. And then, like, she was also, like, sort of helping out with Film Fest. And she was also, like, super into jazz and band and all that. And she was on Music Council, which I wasn't. And, like, I didn't become anything in Music Council. And this year, I went up for choir rep because I want to represent the choir. And, like, I like I feel like this might be, like, me being like, I'm great. But, like, and I feel like I'm allowed to do that a little bit. But, um... I, like, really try to be accepting and nice to everyone, and I try to be, like, at choir camp that just happened, I was, like, super in, like, grade 10s are great, come hang out with me! I'm a grade 12, you can like me! I'm that cool kid! Even though it's, like, please be my friend. Please. But she was just, like, so annoying. And she became choir rep because she wanted it on her resume. I asked her, I was, like, what are, why, do you, why did you put your name, like, why did you nominate yourself? She's like, it's, it's going to look good on my resume. It's going to look great on my resume. I mean, it is going to look good on my resume. And it's going to look, as a representative for the choir, whatever. I just, it hurt my feelings that that was it. But then, like, before school started, she went behind my back, because I was supposed to be in charge of Film Fest, and went to the teacher in charge and was like, I'm the only person in charge of Film Fest, don't listen to anyone else. And I was like, wow, that's great, Linda, fuck that you. Is. And she's like, I'm going to apply to NYU, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to go to Harvard. And I'm like, oh, fucking shut up. Nobody gives a fuck, Linda. This seems very much like a problem that solves itself when this person goes to NYU and you never see or think of her again. I know, right? Like, as soon as I graduate, I'm like, you know what, I don't care. But, like, right now, I'm like, fucking shut up. Nobody cares. Yep. And she's like, this is drama from all of the music. Like, there's, uh, I have, I'm a close friend of the president of the music council, so I, I get all of the drama, but I don't have to be a part of it. So she's like, yeah, uh, Linda's trying to run music council again. That's great. And it's just, it's so funny. 
Because, like, in grade 11, I'm like, oh, yeah, next year everything will be great. And then now I'm in grade 12, and I'm like, this is just a fucking clusterfuck. Who is yeah. doing what? Next year is never great. <laughs> you tell yourself that, and then you get there, and I am next, here. Next year is the same mix of things you enjoy and things that are disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but different things both times. Yeah. Well, I Dandy mean... Warhols made a record that sounded this uh, chilled out. Yeah. And a year later, 9-11 happened. Oh, no. It's like, everyone's going to be happy. The new millennial's going to be pre uh, peace and happiness. The crops are glowing. Just right off the hop. Oof. Life comes at you fast. you got to pick your moments. It's terrifying to think of that. Like, it's what, 17 years now since that happened? Yeah. It is. Yep, 17 years. When I turn 20, it'll be 20 years. It sucks for me. It's like every time there's a big milestone for me, a month before, there's always that big milestone too. And it's just, it I puts mean, a downer on the like month leading up to my birthday. I want to feel like your birthday is more of a party holiday. Party holiday, yeah. But the month leading up, I always try to hype myself up. Because like, I don't know why, but I always get like, because the time between 9-11 and then there's band camp. And then there's probably another activity that I really like. And then there's my birthday. And in that month, I try to be, like, really happy, but I'm always super depressed at band camp. And then after that, like, other activity I really like, like, say this year it was the Vancouver trip. Afterwards, I'm like, it's over. What am I going to do now? And it's just, like, weird. And then I get to my birthday, I'm like, this is... Yay! I, like, I put on a happy face. And, like, it's... It, it was very obvious this year that I was trying, but it was not working out. But I put on a happy face for my birthday, and I was like, yay, I'm 17. But part of me was like... I don't want to do this. You're going to do this. I don't want to go to university. I don't want to grow up. You're going to do all those things. I did my, my, one of my favorite jokes. I've done my yearly subscription of being an adult and I've chosen that I don't want to. Please take it back. <laughs> yeah, but you need it for the autonomy. You do. Like, you shouldn't need to, and I mean, next year you won't need to bully your parents into letting you go to Vancouver on a whim to see a gig. I might you be in Montreal to, next year, so we don't You just need so to get some know. cash together and go. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, I might be in Montreal next year. I don't know. Like, I was like, oh, last time I was like, UBC, Germany, things to do. And now I'm like, okay, well, UFC's closest, so I can be near my family in case I have any mental crises or, like, financial crises, and that's good. UBC uh, probably will not accept me. I'm still going to go, but, like, to try, but UBC will not like my grades from English last year. Nobody cares about your grades from last year. Well, they if, only unless, pay attention to your grade 12 grades. No, unless you're applying before you finish English 3-1. And I have English 3-1 in the uh, second semester. So that was dumb. But uh, I, liked, I liked my course uh, schedule for this semester with chem, math, social, and band. And then next semester, French and English and band. That's... And it's fair. Like, that's a good balancing out for my brain. Like, got the math and the intense thinking ones and then the hey, make sure you know how to spell and make sure you know how to analyze things. So, like, for me, I was like, that's great. But now looking at it, how they're going to apply it, they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to look at your grade 11 marks until your grade 12 marks come in. I'm like, oh, fuck. Okay. That's stressful. But, like, I'm still going to apply for UBC. But, like, there was the out-of-province fair for universities at my school. And Concordia looks really good. Concordia in Montreal. And they have, like, a really good music, apparently a really good music program. They've got an electroacoustics program. I don't know what that is, but... I assume that you uh, do acoustic covers of electronic songs. That sounds so much fun. If I that was listen, like an actual major. <laughs> I would actually listen the hell out of that. Yeah. Uh, if somebody wanted to put that down for me, that'd be great. Just like a selection of 
Did you find a girl playing John or little a uh, little John? What was it? I found five. You found five? Uh huh. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even. I find found one. five different girls with brown hair and glasses playing <laughs> little John covers. Uh, mostly get low well, on the ukulele on YouTube. <laughs> uh, ironic covers, baby. This is. The world in which we live. Speaking of irony, <laughs> to wrap it back to the actual records yeah. that we're nominally talking about, we're doing a great job. This, you know what? I feel like it's a bit better than last time. Yeah. So Bohemian Like You crushes. Yeah. Uh, I will dance the shit out of it and hang the DJ yeah. on the regular. I'll play it on is, road trips. It's so good. Yeah. It is too low yeah. for me to sing at karaoke. Although I could bring it up the octave and it'd still be a bit like iffy. In my yeah, range. it's in that like weird thing where I can't sing it up or at the place where it's supposed yeah. to be. Although after a couple of drinks, I may attempt. <laughs> will attempt it anyway. Yeah, uh, if I'm in that mood. I genuinely, as I listen to it, don't know if they're making fun of hipsters <laughs> or giving an honest account of the fact that they are hipsters. Both. Either, yeah, either Both. would surprise me zero much. It will not surprise you to hear that these people are from Portland. No. Oh. They are wow. aggressively hipster. From Portland. <laughs> they're. It's like the definition of a hipster. They're like the most from Portland band <laughs> of all of the bands <laughs> from Portland. They're going to do a stompy glam number and they're going to start the second verse with Hot Diggity Dog. I live in the hipster neighborhood, and it's it's fun. Being a hipster, I, I don't know, like, hipster, when did that term come to be a thing? It's changed so much. It has. I mean, like, it's originally a term that was applied to jazz people in the 30s. <laughs> really? So the concept has always been with us. <laughs> I'm just thinking of jazz students that I know that are like, I'm a hipster. Yeah. I'm just going to put on a turtleneck and have a goatee and smoke thin black cigarettes and talk to you about socialism. <laughs> you know what? That stuff's following me everywhere. Communism, socialism, like, I have, that's what we're talking about in social studies right now. Like, we talk about the different, like, we've got fascism, communism, socialism, modern liberalism. Like, that's the topic for yeah. the ideologies and all that. I really wish it wasn't so, like, applicable to everyday life for me that people are like, socialism, commun- I literally know a communist. Like, this girl is like- She's like, yeah, I know, like, there's flaws to it, but, like, there's also good parts that we should look at. I'm like, oh, in theory. I guess. <laughs> Honey, calm down. It's... Like, do we? Do we need to look at it? Do we? Do we? We saw Russia. Oh, we cool. saw how Russia did with that. We were seeing how China's doing with that. Let's just leave it alone. Yeah, I think the time to be honest and talk about it is before we apply in large-scale ways these theories for human organization <sighs> to actual countries. Is there any... Like, and learn that liberalism and socialism are mostly okay. Yeah. But if you go too far down that and fascism are not. <laughs> and, like, I, I, I kind of freaked out my social teacher with this because we were talking about and like you look at the similarity uh, similarities between fascism and communism and you're like, wow. There's a lot of similarities. And so the way we're taught it, it's a straight line. Like, there's no changing that. But I was like, well, what if we changed it so that it was a U? Because, like, there's points where communism and, yeah. like, it just, yeah. It's, it's like a bell curve type thing. And then my social teacher was like, well, technically that's what it is. And I was like, yeah. So, like, why are you teaching it to us like it's a straight line? He was like, uh, curriculum. <laughs> 
mean, sometimes that is the I, reason. Yeah. I, I just question everything. Is this real? Are you real? Fuck should you, Dad, for making me feel this way about questioning everything. You should probably question everything, though. Yeah, that's true. Some of the time it'll be a waste of your time. Question everything, like, what the fuck's going on with Turkey and Saudi Arabia? Oh, man, I don't. We don't, we're not gonna get into that can of worms, but there's shit going on there, and... I don't mean to be controversial. It's this isn't a podcast about controversy, but I will say that I am against Bonesaw-related murder. <laughs> Bonesaw murder fans? Uh, at me. At me. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, not in person, because you're a <laughs> fan of Bonesaw murder. I just realized that if I've had a few weeks, I did technically ask for it. Okay, while we're going off the rails... The weirdest part of that story to me... Mm, the Saudi Arabia? The uh, Bonesaw murder? Yeah. He brought the Bonesaw with him. Yeah. yeah. And then they I were can like... find a Bonesaw and have you a Bonesaw in one hour. Why? Is that his lucky Bonesaw? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's not... No, it's lucky one Lucky Bonesaw is not a thing. <laughs> you never know, honestly. And like, it's just but like... But like in a way that I want to write into something now? Mm-hmm. Why are you smuggling a Bonesaw into the... Well, it's my lucky Bonesaw. What makes it lucky? Am I in prison for any of the Bonesaw murder that I have done? <laughs> Fair point. It <laughs> <laughs> makes sense. And then they're going about it in the stupidest way because it's like, yeah, just give us like a week before we'll let you into the embassy. And then it's like you get in and they're like, well, something happened. But uh, the security cameras that day, we just forgot to turn them off. Oh, and we just freshly painted the walls. It's like, you're fucking guilty. <laughs> But, like, they can't fully say that because there's no fully proof. But then they're like, oh, yeah, he's dead. Like, he's not alive anymore. He's certainly dead. But, um, we didn't do it. <laughs> it's just... Uh, well, also part of it's... This is the world we live in. Also part of it's just that you can pick a fight when you have all of the oil and can bring the economy to its knees. That's true. <laughs> like, it's, it's the lesser of two evils. I guess. I don't know. It's pretty evil. This is the anyway, world we live in. This is what music sounded like before we were worried about all this shit. <laughs> Basically, the Cold War had ended and uh, terrorism wasn't a thing yet. Yeah. And everybody all through the 90s were nicely chilled out. It was nice. You would have enjoyed it. I really wish I could have. What do you think... Because I go back and forth on this. Yes. Courtney Taylor Taylor's singing style. Mm Mm-hmm. What do you feel about the whole singers who sound a little bit bored with the song that they are doing literally right now? (laughs) I mean, if that's the style they're going for, yeah. it makes sense. But if you're, like, watching them be in a live performance and they look bored, like, they don't want to be there, then, like, fuck you. Yeah, like, it's that... It's Sorry that, for paying money and... It's that late 90s, early 2000s... your career. Too cool to care kind of look. The dude from The Strokes... Yeah. Also sounded like he didn't give a fuck. I feel and, like that was the style. Though. Yeah. And, yeah, it makes him sound cool as a motherfucker. Yeah. On but, every one of these songs. But at the same time, if you take a minute and interrogate it even a little bit, yeah. dude, you wrote this song. Why are you bored of this song? <laughs> well, I get bored of songs that I write. Like Probably that leads to you not singing them anymore. Yeah, well, yeah. Like, <laughs> I So I wrote a song back in August, and I performed it at the Girls Rock Camp Showcase. And then everyone wanted me to perform it for them. Like, if they're, like, and I had a video of it, and I was like, here's the video. But everyone was like, no, a live performance, live performance. Looking at you, Mom. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> and it's like, I'm not against doing live performances. I love, like, performing for people. But, like, it got to the point where I was like, okay, it's now September, and I've played this songs more times than there are days in this month. So I'm going to stop. And I just got annoyed with playing it. 
And it just, like, yeah, there's those points of, like, depending on how popular the song is, it makes sense that they'd be bored with it. But, like, if it's for the style of the song, yeah. it makes sense. Yeah, it is. And I think this was really widespread at the time. There was a real above-it sense yeah. to indie rock at this period that either pavement can be thanked or, or blamed for, depending <laughs> on how you personally enjoy it. Because I read um, a review for one of the later Dandy Warhol's records. Mm-hmm where the reviewer pointed out that this is an easy band to like, but a difficult one to love. I like it. I don't know if I love it. That's that's very true. Yeah. I think that I do love it, but also if somebody came up to me and went, no, I find them insufferably smug, I would totally get it. Yeah, no. Like, it's like That's there. Their you music? can unpack that differently for me. I personally did not find it a deal breaker, and I fucking love Dandy Warhol's. But if somebody else comes out of it going, no. <laughs> Their music very much can give off that feeling of like, yeah, we're better than you stuff. But also like with the smugness, like that's just the style. So like for me, I, being a musician myself, I take into like 30 different other things yeah. of doing it. So like if I can tell that this is the style and that's why it sounds bored. For one of the songs, I was like, wait, he's singing? Like it took me a minute to realize that there was a singer in the song. But it's the style. Like, it makes sense that they would do that, especially for that time where it's like you're bridging the gap between two different years. For a number of years in indie rock, it was these guys, the Strokes, Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's, White Stripes. Yeah. That whole period. Mm -hmm. And then on the flip side, Travis and Coldplay Mm. making music in their early 20s because they weren't old enough to transition into being full-on adult contemporary artists yet. Ah, back, the, uh, back in the time when that was a thing. <laughs> yeah. You know? There's just, there's so many young artists now that are just, don't know what they're doing. No? And it hurts my heart. Oh, there were at the time. Well, yeah, but, like, they weren't as broadcast now. Music had, music had always been 80% yeah. bullshit. Yeah. But, like, now it's, like, the ability to broadcast YouTube. Five brown-haired girls with glasses playing Little John covers. And, and I enjoyed them all. Yeah. and That's an entire genre of music. It's the best genre of music, let's be honest here. Um. <laughs> and it's one that could not exist without YouTube. Exactly. I love-ish that <laughs> democratizing effect that streaming and YouTube have had yeah. on people's ability to make and distribute their own product by their own rules. I don't love that thing that happens now where Drake has 25 simultaneous top 40 hits because his current record has 25 tracks and streaming counts. Yeah. Although if somebody wants to link me to a version of that album that is a tight 45 minutes, that's the Um, amount of Drake that I seek today. Even with that, it's like, again, with the singles, it's like what they release for the radio. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, okay. And then that gets streamed a lot more. So, like, the singles get promoted a lot more than the rest of the album. Yeah. Or if you game it so that you're on every playlist. Whereas previous, it was uh, radio, and it was TV, and it was CD sales. This is probably the last gasp of really blockbuster physical media sales for music. Where I would see the video for Bohemian Like You on Much Music, and then go out and purchase a physical object full of music from HMV 
and then hope that I enjoyed the rest of it, which in this case I very much did. Yeah. But there were a number of bands that I had one song that I liked from them, and that was Money Badly Spent. Not gonna lie, Oasis Wonderwall, the only song I liked for them. Uh, and I learned it on you. Like, I, for me, it's just personal opinion, but, like, that's the only one that I was like, you know what, this is a good song. Like, as like, meme as much meme-worthy as it is, I learned how to play Wonderwall on the ukulele yeah. just so I can make the joke. Anyways, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And it's so much fun to play on the ukulele, too. Like, I don't get what... It gets so much shit for being that, like, song that everyone knows on, like, guitar or ukulele. Yeah, because it's fun to play yeah. and everyone knows it. And so, like... The other day, I was like, I just, I'm going to go downstairs, take the record player that mom has, and uh, take a couple of the vinyls, and uh, play them. And the Luminaires self-titled album is the only album on vinyl that we have that I listen to all the way through. It's the only one that I can, because it's it's a common album for me. We had What's the Story Morning Glory, and so I listened to Wonderwall, and then I just took it off the record. <laughs> I just took it off. And I was like, okay, next album. <laughs> oh, I feel bad for that, but, like, we bought the whole record, so it's, like, we have, we paid for the other songs, too. It's just not my cup of tea. Yeah, you don't have to listen to everything. Yeah. Wonderwall is not for everyone. <laughs> if we understand how pop music worked in the mid-late 90s, I think the majority of people agreed with you. Yeah. Because that was the one. And Champagne Supernova, I guess. Yeah. That was a great song. But I'm going to make somebody different listen to Oasis on this show. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. We are listening to Dandy Warhols and then barely talking about them. You know what? In your face, my listeners. <laughs> I didn't do a ton of drugs. <laughs> Best way to start a Yes. <laughs> I'm very good at this. I didn't do a ton of drugs during this period of my life. Mm -hmm. I do feel like this would be a good record to do a ton of drugs to. Oh, definitely. You know what? We just got legal. Uh, it's, it, weed is legal now, and I t a kid offered me brownies, and for a hot second in my mind, I was like, wait, is there weed in this? Like, you know, because there was, like, that probability there was. There wasn't. It was just brownies. Always ask, though. I did. Cause... I did. I was like, wait, are these, like, brownies? Or are they brownies? Yeah. And he was like, the brownies. And I was like, okay, chill. I'll my, have to. <laughs> my official position on pot is broadly in favor, although I don't particularly enjoy it myself. Yeah. My position on pot that you ingest by accident is that it is fucking <laughs> irritating. Um, I had shit to do with my day. Yeah. Why didn't you tell me there was pot in this? <laughs> God damn it. I this don't is my entire afternoon now. <laughs> I don't smoke, uh, but I think that if it can help the stance of, like, if it's help medical it, yeah. and it's helpful, it's great. And the fact that it's legal, we can study it more and find out better things. Um, hemp being legal allows us to use that for paper and clothing. The hippie in me is talking. You know, like, it's a helpful thing to be legalized. Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of people are like, party! I'm um, sure a ton of people are party. And you know what? Like, my mom's like, you gotta be 25 before you have any. And I'm like, you know what? I'm okay with that. 25, I'll probably have a degree. I'm okay to have a little party, but... Until then, I'll keep my mind straight. But this song, it was very much like with The Cure. I was like, yeah, this is an album that I could get stoned to and listen. Yeah, this feels like a really good quality. Especially like at the beginning, too. Again, with like that psychedelic effect. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Am I in space and time? Well, I mean, you are in both space <laughs> and time. <laughs> Am I in blank space and time? Like, what's going on here? I don't know. Yeah, it's a really atmospheric record. Yeah. But it manages that without being too heavy. Yeah. Like, a lot of the times with the really heavy on the atmosphere pieces of music, it comes off as really ponderous and a little bit exhausting. But they manage to keep it lighthearted with that, 
in a way that I don't hear a lot in yeah. contemporary music or music from this period or any other period. Yeah. I like Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd does atmosphere well. Yes. Pink Floyd take themselves very seriously and expect for you to take them very seriously oh, also. <laughs> Uh -oh. <laughs> um, I should not tell you about that one time that our teachers weren't showing up for classes, so we just blast um, the wall or whatever, uh, that, like, no, <laughs> we I don't need no education I on like, the stereo. No, I like Pink Floyd. I just, there's a, they're kind of a lot. Yeah, they are. They it's... are making important art, and they want for you to take them seriously. And the I in important, the A in art, and the S in seriously have all been capitalized. <laughs> Whereas these guys are just coming in, you know. We're gonna make. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna make some music, and you can gonna... listen to it if you want, and it'll be cool. <laughs> but if you don't, I'm too cool to care. <laughs> so, yeah, basically. <laughs> which uh, is great. I saw these guys. Um, I saw these guys play in Edmonton a couple of years ago. I went with Olaf and Amanda, and it was one of the few gigs that I've gone to where I spent half the show in a corner having a conversation, and then half the show right up the front of the stage. And both of those things I enjoyed equally well. Yeah. Shows like that are the best because there's like, when I went to see Eden Live, there were songs that I'm like, okay, I like them. And like, as much as I'm like wanting to record them, I didn't because they're not the ones that I'm like, I need to have video proof that I saw this live. And so like, I'd be talking to my friends and be like, how do you, like, what do you think? And they seem to enjoy it. But then there were other songs where I was like, I am in the moment. Like there's yes. a video of me, there's a video of me at the concert where it's like, he does, I think it's Fumes. And, like, everyone is screaming the lyrics, and we're all, like, headbanging and moving to the music. Like, he's also another good artist for that, where it's, like, you listen to it, and then you can also talk with yeah, the playing. Yeah, it, it works as atmosphere yeah. and as a direct performance for you to interact with. Yeah. And then next time, we're going to get you crowd surfing. Uh, yeah. Uh, definitely. I want to do that. <laughs> that was fun. You should I was do like, that. I should do I, I, I thought about that when I went and saw Billy Town, and I was like, oh, I should crowd surf. And then I realized that there were a lot of people that I did not trust at this concert. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to stay here at the edge of the mosh pit and not die. <laughs> yeah, 100%. You are, full disclosure, probably going to get either bruised or groped. Yeah, or both. If I was you, pretty bruised after, and I was can, on the edge of the mosh if pit. If you can lean into that and have a good attitude about it, crowd surfing is super fun. Yeah. But the only way to prevent it is to not have crowd surfing. Yeah. We crowd surf Which arguably is what we should do, but I you know, just... <laughs> you gotta live for these, like, you gotta live for those experiences. Of, That's like, exactly right. People are pushing me in a direction. I don't know, but we're going with it. <laughs> Music! I am, I am literally being held in the air. <laughs> By other through people. nothing but the power of punk rock. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I don't know if you heard about this, but at the Billy Talent show for Stampede, we transported a cake. From the stage to the sound booth, because it was the guy who was working sound, um, it's his birthday. We didn't drop it. It was great. It was, it was great. It was, it was terrifying, but it was great. It was, <laughs> that's like cake crowd surfing. That seems weird. It was hilarious, because he was like, don't you fucking drop that cake, and we're all like, we're sorry. <laughs> it was, we didn't drop it. That's the, the moral of the story is we didn't drop the cake, just like you shouldn't drop people when they're crowd surfing. <laughs> I want for that to have been a test. <laughs> I'm going to make them carry a cake to the sound booth because if they fuck this up with a cake, they should not be allowed to do this with a live human being. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, there are already people doing it. Like, like the moment the concert started, people were up in the air. Yeah, absolutely. I was in the middle of the mosh pit, and the first song was Devil in a Midnight Mass. And, um, 
I've never been more terrified in my life because everyone was everywhere. I'd never been in a mosh pit before. They were playing a very intense song and uh, the show had just started. So everyone had lots of energy and I was like flailing around, reaching for my aunt, going. Yeah, a punk show is the best crowd energy yeah that you are ever gonna get yeah um these guys were more chilled out energy which is from what i gather so was eden yeah well Eden. i feel like eden's like that balance between the two of them but more to the chill side like it's a spectrum so you've got chill and then you've got intense and like eden's like just off the middle of chill yeah the uh yeah these guys were uh fun to listen to fun to watch mostly relaxed it's interesting to catch a band that had two or three radio songs a number of years ago because the difference in energy between when they're doing music from their most recent uh, release for the people who are still following what they're recording today yeah, and the stuff from the radio 10 or 15 years ago uh, where the more casual fans who bought a ticket on a whim yeah. know them I know from- these guys, let's just go. <laughs> yeah, like two songs by them, I'm sure the rest is fine. Yeah. And it is. They're yeah. really good life. Yeah. Uh, like I said, all nine of their records, there are no misses. Yeah. There's not one that I listened to and went, I regret this. <laughs> I've definitely had some albums where it's like, why did I, why did I get this song? Oh, don't worry. You'll have more and more. Yeah. As you age. And also the musicians that you like age. Yeah. <laughs> and then people who you have years you know what? There's of loyalty be... toward put out a record that makes you go, oh no, does my favorite band suck now? I'm pretty sure that's going to happen with Eden one day for me, where it's like, oh, okay, well, moving on. (laughs) I mean, sometimes people lose track of the thing that originally made them great, or you've changed. Yeah. But that's the lifespan of a person's relationship with a piece of music. With this album, though, I don't feel like that would happen for me. Like, I could probably listen to it, like, five years from now and be like, this is a good album. Yeah, this is super great. And, like, for truth, like, five years from now, it'll be, what, 2023, something like that? Yeah. Five years, like, that's 23 years ago. That's a good album. That's like the 80s of now. Yeah. 90s of now. Yeah. Let me correct that statement. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I'm 17 and I feel old. What is this? Well, don't worry. You're going to feel older. Yeah. Um, And then you're going to feel young again. Hopefully. And then you're going to feel very old. That's (laughs) how feeling tracks (laughs) your early 20s. You're going to continue feeling old. And then your late 20s, you're going to feel like you've got a handle on things. <laughs> yeah. And then by your 30s, hopefully, you still feel like you have a handle on things, but now your like physical body has started to age. Uh, and you just, I feel old, but not like out of touch with pop culture, just like my back hurts. Yeah. Oh my God. Just my jokes. My constantly. Joke, <laughs> my joke of the day for today. Yesterday, I did yoga for uh to help with the babysitting kid because they were doing yoga and the kid needed to be washed but they were also like participate in this yoga class while you're doing it i'm like okay whatever so i did yoga and then i like a couple hours later i'm like standing up and i'm like straight and i'm like oh fuck what happened to my back (laughs) then i made the joke of i may be 17 because of my birth certificate but my mental age and my back pains are 57 it was like i literally got to school and i was like i need someone to fix this now i can't stand up normally i can't be hunchback of notre dame today oh that doesn't sound right it's better now like i can sit normally and i'm like oh okay nothing's there So we spent 53 minutes talking about everything but Dandy Warhols. We, spent, we talked a bit about them. Yeah, we did. 
It's yeah. a good record. Yeah. You should listen to it. <laughs> listen to this record. Is the takeaway. Also, we both came into it with weird energy. And <laughs> you're not paying us anything, so Let we're just going to talk it. about what we want. <laughs> On our way out the door. Liv, I'm going to ask you three questions. Okay. You ever going to listen to uh, 13 Tales from Urban Bohemia oh, most again? most definitely. It's like on my road trip soundtrack now. Nice. Uh, are you going to explore Dandy Warhol's catalog further? Yeah, I think so. Nice. I think I might want to try the earlier stuff and see how that fit in. Yep. The earlier one is super great. The one immediately previous or subsequent to this from the time where they were a proper radio band. Yeah. But also there are no wrong answers. Yeah. The one that they put out a couple of years ago, Distortland. was very enjoyable. Listen to them all. You'll be glad that you did. They're also a pretty good band to leave playing on Spotify as you fall asleep and then wake up and a weird indie band from the uh, Pacific Northwest that you've never heard of is playing. (laughs) And you go, oh, this is nice too. Who's this? Which I have done a couple of times. (laughs) I just put it on uh, repeat, like the whole album, and then the whole album just circles, and then I'll wake up, and all of a sudden there's like these loud noises by me. I'm like, fuck, what's happening? (laughs) I forgot what I was listening to. Right, I forgot. Like 30% of this record is actually super loud. Yeah. (laughs) Um, First 15 minutes, I'm passed out. Give take. And if you had to uh, close the episode off on one song, what song would you pick? I would definitely pick Bohemian Like You or Horse Bells. Those are the two that really stood up for me. All right, we're going to open with one. We're going to close with the other. This has been the Soundtrack to a Life. I have been Chris. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at SoundtrackCast, SoundtrackCast.com. Like us, review us, share us, tell your friends about us, getting the word out, podcasts. You've been told this before. Podcasts are a cool thing. Liv, assuming that it's December by the time this airs, do you have any gigs coming up or anything you want to push? Um, Femwave in November. This is coming out in December. I just had a full school day. Um, not really. Uh, if you want to support my university career or my music career, you can hit me up. I need job stuff. Like, I have, I have to go to Germany. If you want to, if you need, like, odd jobs done, I can help with that. I, I can, like, move stuff. I can clean stuff. I can do stuff. So, help send me to Germany. That'll and be fun. follow her punk band on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Afternoon Tea Party YYC. But there's not much we're doing right now. We're pretty, like, silent because, like, all of us are in really weird places in our life right now. Well, yeah, that's when they follow you, and then whenever you are doing something, they know right away. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, so follow us. <laughs> After Party, YYC. That's how you plug a thing that happens online. Yeah! This has been the soundtrack to a life, everybody. We will see you in two weeks to talk about, I don't know, like, maybe the band next time. <laughs>